and, and you can, you can. I, I want to talk to you today about something that is not just important. It is essential. There's a difference, right? There's a lot of important things, but some things you can't do without. And I want to talk to you today about something that you can't do out. Now, we were singing a while ago, and boy, I don't know if I were, man, I was moved as you guys were singing. I'm telling you, why is some of them weeping as you were singing? But we were talking about burn fire, burn fire, burn, and that's so important, so important, so critically important. I love when, when, uh, when Dr. Camp had us to lay hands on each other and say, you know, fire fall. And church, that's so good. Man, that's so very, very important. You just can't do enough of that. Purity and holiness and all those things are things which must be a part of our life. Absolutely. No question about it. But I want to talk about something even if you can beyond that. Beyond that, right? As a Baptist, and uh, I was... Baptist born and Baptist trained and all that stuff. But anyway, uh, as a Baptist, I would say to you, um, I worked hard for God. I was a zealot. I, I grew up as a zealot. I, had, I went as a part of a great church. So I grew up as a, I mean, I was on fire for the things of the Lord. But what happened was I found myself, now I want you to hear this. This is very important. I found myself working for God like crazy. But we were not good friends. I knew he loved me, and I certainly loved him, but we were not good friends. We were not good friends. It was as though, it was as though he had given me a task. You understand what I'm saying? And so I was there trying to fulfill that task. And I was very task-oriented, very, very task-oriented. Man, if you wanted something done, you asked me to do it, and if I could, I would do it, and I'd do it too. I'm not kidding. That was the way I was. I would do it. So I was a, I was a worker for the things of the Lord. So when, when the Jesus movement came along, man, listen, they needed folks to preach. and I, I was there. I was a part of that deal, right? Count me in. I was there. And as the Jesus movement was ending, I got an invitation to go to India, to India, and preach a big crusade in India. And I'd never, man, I'd never been to India in my life. And so I didn't know what to expect. This is like uh, 1972, 73, something like that. And I went to India. And while I was there, I mean, I was overwhelmed by the needs of the people. First of all, there's so many, many people. It's incredible. And when I was there, I mean, disease was very rampant. Polio was rampant. There were so many people who had been crippled. And I mean, it was just a horrid thing. And I took with me, I took a couple of Baptist pastors, fundamental Baptist pastors, and I took one youth director that I knew and loved, took a couple of business guys with me out of Houston, and we all flew over there. And at one point, we were going to go from, uh, from Delhi down to see the Taj Mahal. You know, you got to see the Taj if you're in India. And uh, so we were, we were about to get on this bus. And as we were getting on this bus, this little boy came up, and he had no legs. He was scooting along on a piece of paper, scooting along on a piece of paper, and uh, I guess a piece of really thick paper. You know what I'm talking about, that cardboard paper. And this Baptist pastor who was with me, this Jerry Falwellite fundamentalist guy was with me, he, he looks at this little boy and he says, Silver and gold, have I none? And then he got on the bus. I know. Man, when I, when, I, when I got on the bus with him, I turned to him. Now, listen to what I said. Listen to what I said. I said, Bob, why didn't you finish that? And he said, here's what he said, guys. He said, I wanted to. 
I wanted to. Isn't that something? Well, then we went to the place where we were going to do the crusade, huge crusade, thousands of people there. Man, I was preaching and people would be saved. It was a great, great time. One night as I'm preaching, I mean, I was overwhelmed by the desire to pray for the sick. Now, I'd never prayed for the sick. In fact, you know, Baptists, we usually pray for the sick on Wednesday night, right, if they aren't there. But anyway, that's kind of the way we pray for the sick, right? But uh, I shouldn't say that. I don't mean to be negative about Baptists. But, but, but that's right. But hear me. <laughs> that's right. I do thank God for the Baptists, really. But listen. But so as I'm, I'm feeling this thing like crazy, so I turn around to this guy, Bob, this pastor, and I said, Bob, I think I ought to pray for the sick. He said, do it. Yeah, he wanted me to do it instead of him to do it, right? But anyway, so, so man, I didn't know what to do. I mean, I, I'd seen Oral Roberts pray for the sick on television, you know. So I said, I feel tonight that God wants to heal some folks who are sick. So if you're sick... I want you to come and we'll pray for you and God will heal you. That's what I said. God will heal you. Well, you can imagine the numbers of people who came. I mean, all sorts of people came. So all of a sudden, you know, I realized there's this huge crowd of folks and, uh, and they're expecting me to pray for them, right? And I said, well, okay, if you'll just line up here, I'll pray because that's the way Earl did it. I said, if you just line up here, I'll pray for you one at a time, right? Well, the very first one, guys, the very first one was a little girl with no eyeballs, no eyeballs. I looked, her, she came forward. I had the little interpreter with me. Her little mother was behind her. Her little mother goes, you know, and she says, she was born without any eyeballs. I'm thinking, oh, my God. She was born, I said, she was born without any eyeballs? He said, yes, she was born without any eyeballs. Now, guys, I'll tell you, I'm sitting there thinking, what? In the world have you done? Right, you see? What have you done? Here's this little mother's looking up at me. You know, the great evangelist promised that he would pray for my baby. She's going to be well, right? Man, I'm sitting there. I'm telling you guys, I th- Satan began to attack me. Who do you think you are? What kind of stunt is this? Wait till this gets back to the States. People are going to think you're a fool. I mean, tell you, I, I was absolutely overwhelmed. Yet here's this little mother, and I promised I would pray. So I reached out, because I'd seen Oral do it. I reached out, and I, I placed my hands on the head of this little girl, and I started to pray. Then I pulled my hands away. And I turned to the interpreter and I said, don't interpret what I say. Don't interpret. I turned back around and I said, Father, I don't believe this. I said, this is totally beyond me. I don't have the faith for this. I'm sorry I ever said I would. I mean, I almost began to cry. I'm sorry I ever did this. Help me, Lord. And here's what I said. And no one ever taught me to say this. I don't pray this way now. Maybe I should. But I've never heard anybody else pray this way. And I said, I just cried out and I said, I claim the faith of Jesus. And by his faith, Lord, heal this girl. And I promise you, God, as my witness, when I looked up, this little girl was looking back at me with the most beautiful brown eyes you've ever seen in your life.
she's ever seen. Now, I had these two businessmen from Houston with me. I had these Baptist pastors with me. I had Randy Summers, my buddy youth pastor, with me. I mean, church, we began to rejoice and shout and scream and dance. I'm telling you, we, we went crazy. The whole place went crazy. You can imagine. I mean, it was such a glorious miracle. I've never seen anything like it at the beginning of my life. I mean, it was the most wonderful, fabulous thing in my life. I mean, it was amazing. For the first time in my life, guys, listen, I was not on assignment. Do you understand what I'm saying? I was not on assignment. My, God never asked me to... You understand what I'm saying? This wasn't something I was doing because it was an assignment that I had to do. This was something that had come out of my heart as I was following the leadership of the Lord. You see what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, this gigantic miracle had taken place. I mean, when the crowd left that night, we got on the, well, we got on the floor on those grass uh, um, mats on the floor and we lay on our belly and we cried and we prayed and we rejoiced. I mean, we saw several other people healed, immediately healed. It was amazing. Well, church, you can imagine when I got home. When I got home, I went in with my wife, Marilyn. I said, honey, there's some things we've not been told. That's what I said to her. I said, I promise you, there's some stuff we've not been told. There is, a, there is a dimension of this thing that we've not been told. I'm telling you, church. I said, Merle, there's a power out there that we've not, we don't know about. And we've got to find out about these things. I mean, I don't understand it all yet, but I'm telling you, I began to tell her what happened. She began to cry with me. We stood there in our own living room crying with each other and saying, there, Lord, please. I got goosebumps right now telling you this. I mean, Lord, please send us into this. Let us know what this is. What, how does this work? We began to say to each other. And over a period of years, beginning that night when I got back home, we began to search for the things of the Spirit. How does this work? Who is the Holy Spirit? How do we do this? How does He deal with us? Who is He in our lives? Who is He supposed to be? How? And asking the whole time, why hasn't someone told us about this? See? See what I'm saying? And I, I tell you, church, we begin like crazy to search and search and search. And so when Scott told you what he told you, what happened at my office when I came back, we finally began to move into the things of the Spirit. And God's blessed us in a tremendous way. Now, let me say this to you. The essential. You can be the greatest preacher that ever lived in the history of mankind. And by the way, I hope some of you are. If you don't understand and you're not walking and you're not in the things of the Spirit, you may be a great worker for God. You understand? But you're not really touching what God wants you to touch. Do you understand what I'm saying? The absolute essential of Christianity is the Spirit. The absolute essential. Now, please understand. Jesus is, Jesus is the darling of the Godhead. You know that. We love Jesus, honor Jesus, glorify Jesus, praise Jesus. Well, Jesus is it. You understand what I'm saying? But Jesus has poured out his spirit upon his church. And so the essential for us, church, the essential for us, I mean, we can get on the ground and we can pray and pray and pray. If we get back up and then go out to serve him in our own strength and our own power, we've missed the whole thing. We've missed the idea. You see what I'm saying? Because at our best, we will never do what he's really wanting us to do and experiencing for us to do. Does that make sense to you? See what I'm saying? So I'm here to say to you today, listen to me. Of all the things which must happen in our lives, 
And you're in the right place to do it. Of all the things that must happen in life, you and I have got to have a constant awareness of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, leading us day by day. Does that make sense? See what I'm saying? Now let me share this with you. And I do have a message. I hope I get to preach to you in a second, but I want to share this other. All right, now listen. Which you need to hear, by the way. But listen to this. About uh, ten years ago at our church in Oklahoma City, we started really overtly, aggressively, as much as possible, began to celebrate Pentecost. Now, Pentecost is about a month away. And man, we, we can't wait for Pentecost to be here. Pentecost Sunday has become a Sunday of great miracles in our church. Great, great miracles. And let me tell you what we did. The Lord led us to do this. All right? We began to meet, our team began to meet, on a nightly basis, about 90 days before Pentecost, about five years ago. And we would meet at the church every night at 9 o'clock. Everybody had their day and everybody's full and busy and all that. But 9 o'clock we met to pray. And we were praying for Pentecost. Praying for Pentecost. And when we met, we, our team, we love each other. You know, we, we enjoy being together. So when we'd get together, we'd probably spend the first 15, 20 minutes talking about, you know, how the thunder was doing or, you know, how the, how the Sooners were doing or whatever, you know. And I found we were wasting a lot of time. So I said, guys, listen, when we get together, here's what I want us to do. When we get together, let's come and let's get on our bellies before the Lord, and let's pray in tongues. Let's do it. We all believe in that. We're all a part of that. It's part of our life. Let's do that. So let's get together, and let's simply pray in tongues. And here's what I said. Let's see where the Lord will lead us. Right? Well, church, what we have found is this. Tongues is the doorway to what the Lord wants to do supernaturally in our lives. That's what we have found, all right? So as we are praying, I mean, you won't believe the things. I'll, I'll tell you, I hope you do believe it. But, but we were praying, and there began to be strong, incredible, angelic presence in our prayer meetings at night. One night in our church, we had this big, beautiful church downtown. And one night at the very back, our church had all these little enclaves in the back. In the back, I looked, and I'm, it looked as though there were five beings in the back, standing in the back together. And I turned to the other guys, and I said, fellas, do you see that? And they all said, yeah. I said, there, there, are five, there are five angels back there in the back of our church, aren't there? Yeah, that's what it is. Man, we were standing there looking at that. I said, I've got to see this. I walked back to the back, right? And I stood there. And I said, watch me. Watch me. I said, I'm going to walk behind them. All right? So I walked behind them, turned around and said, can you see me? They said, no. I said, can you now? Yes. Can you now? No. Right? I said, can you believe that? Can, can you believe that? Right? I was amazing. One of the other guys said, i got to see it too. He began to run back there, right? Isn't it incredible, right? Church, we were standing there. We were there one night, and about half, of the, about half of our church, we have a big center aisle, and half of our church filled with this mist, this remarkable mist. 
I'm standing over on this side, of, and over there, Pastor John Jewell was over there, and he said, Pastor, look over here. I said, what? He said, come over here. As I walked over church, I'm telling you, when you walk down the aisle, when you walk through that aisle and walked over, the temperature in this place probably dropped 10, 15 degrees. You could walk into it. You could walk out of it. Just a, just a mist. I believe it was the mist of the presence of the Lord. See what I'm saying? See? One night we were praying together and the wind. Now this is, this is during the, you know, this is, we didn't have the air conditioner running at this time, right? A wind began to move around that auditorium, began to move around that auditorium, began to blow the plants and everything around the auditorium. I mean, it was an incredible church. We began to see all sorts of things. And God began to say to us, all right, I want to tell you what's going to happen on Pentecost Sunday. We'd say, okay. The Lord said, I want you to march up and down these chairs. And I want you to lay your hands on the chair, and I'm going to tell you who's going to be sitting there and what I'm going to do. Right? So we would walk up and down the chairs, and we'd touch the chairs. And some of our pastors, of course, would say, oh, man, that can't ever happen. What are you talking about? I said, well, I think that's what the Lord said. Let's do it. And we begin to, and God began to tell us. There will be someone sitting here. He'll have a sweatshirt on that says, I am on it. He'll be an African American, and God's going to heal him a bada bada. Well, we began to write that down. We'd write that down, write that down. One, as I was praying one night in this group. I, the Lord, I, I was back here about where this handsome man is here in the blue shirt. And the Lord said, there's going to be a lady in a red dress. She's going to come on Sunday morning at Pentecost Sunday. And she's going to be healed of cancer. That's something. Well, guess what? Pentecost Sunday came. And there was no one sitting there in a red dress. Instead, there was a lady sitting over here in a red dress. In a minute, she got up and she walked back toward the back. And she came down, she came down, she sat about right here. I said, lady, you're in the wrong chair. You know, you're in the wrong chair. I said, she needs to be back there, like you said, right? Like you said. In a few minutes, God is my witness. She got up, went back, and sat down in that chair. Isn't that something? Well... As we're going along in the service, we begin to call these various things out. Brother, God's doing this. God's doing that. I said, I, said, I walked back to her. I said, ma'am, why are you here? She said, Pastor, I heard you on TBN the other night talk about the fact that Pentecost Sunday, y'all were going to see miracles. And I've come all the way from Irvine, California. Wow. I said, she said, I've got cancer. And they're saying it's inoperable. And I believe God's going to heal me. God healed her that very day. Is that not incredible? Now, guys, I'm telling you, you understand what I'm saying? When you begin to flow in the things of the Spirit, all of a sudden, the ministry is not a job. See what I'm saying? It's not a task. You're not just working for the Lord. You understand? You're not getting everything you can in school and learning and stretching yourself academically and all those wonderful things so you can go out and be a better worker. No, 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 no. No, no, no. When you begin to flow in the things of the Lord, the presence of the Holy Spirit is in your life. Let me tell you something. Things begin to be a joy. See? You can hardly wait for the next opportunity. I can hardly wait for today. I tell you, I've been praying for this day. I don't know what all God's going to do today, but I know He's going to do a lot with a lot of you today. You understand what I'm saying, all right? Boy, it's going to be a great time. Listen, if you leave SUM and you don't have a dynamic, personal understanding of the things of the Spirit... 
you've missed why you're really here. See? Now, that doesn't mean academically you don't need to do all you possibly can. Yes, you do. You stretch yourself. You get everything you possibly get academically. But, guys, listen, at the end of the day, it's not you get ready and then go out and be a real good worker for God. That's not it. I've lived that life. That's not it. All right? It's you get ready and you develop as you're getting ready a genuine understanding of the presence and ministry of the Spirit. And then you go out and you release that in your world. And we will change the world because the Spirit will use us as his instruments to change the world. Amen? You see it? I know you do. All right. Did you bring your Bibles? I want you to do something. Quickly open up to the book of John. Now, there, I hope you'll get a little note, and I want you to write this down quickly, ready? Because there's three things I want you to see about the presence of the Spirit, which is so critically important. Anybody got it? Look at John chapter number 1. John chapter 1. Now, three things I want you to see. In fact, I want you to write this sentence down. I'm going to give you this sentence. I want you to write this down. I want this to be a part of your... This needs to be your... <laughs> this needs to be your icebox sentence, right? That you put on your icebox. You ready? Right, write it across your mirror. Listen to this. Ready? The single hope... Get this. The single hope of victory... In the midst of this generation, the single hope of victory in the midst of this generation, get this, is the presence and work of the Holy Spirit. The single hope of victory. There's not another hope. There's not hope number two, hope number three. The single hope of victory in the midst of this generation is the presence and work of the Holy Spirit. Okay? The presence and work of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are three things I want you to see about the presence of the Spirit. Ready? Three quick things I want you to see. Here they are. Number one, get this. The presence of the Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit, validates Jesus. The presence of the Holy Spirit validates Jesus. Look, look at John chapter 1 and look beginning at verse number 29. I want you to see. First of all, the presence of the Holy Spirit validates the person of Jesus. You see, we can preach about Jesus and we can tell people about Jesus. But when we preach about Jesus and we tell people about Jesus in the presence of the Spirit, with the validating proof of the Spirit... What happens? The presence of the Spirit validates who Jesus really is. It's a principle that goes all the way back to Jesus' baptism. Look at John chapter 1, verse number 29. Ready? Watch this. The next day, this is John the Baptist. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Here is John. He recognized. Behold, the Lamb of God. Now watch this. This is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man higher rank than I, for he existed before me. Now watch verse 31. I did not recognize him, but so he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. Then John says this. Look at verse 32. I have seen, watch this, I have seen the Spirit descending, look at this, as a dove out of heaven and remaining on him. Remaining on him. 
Then he says, verse 33, I did not, oh, I'm sorry, I've seen the Spirit descending out of heaven, remaining on him. I did not recognize him, but watch this, but he, God, the Father, who sent me to baptize in water, said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this one is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that incredible? Now watch, church, listen. When I was in India that night, I was preaching. There were probably 2,000 people. That night when we prayed and the great miracles took place, the next night there were over 5,000 people. Do you see it? What was happening? The work of the Spirit. Let me tell you something. What happened that night, I know, throughout that city, was the word went out. Man, the word went out. The word went out. There was a miracle. There was a miracle. There was a miracle. It wasn't just a man standing and telling us Jesus is real. Not only did he stand and tell us that Jesus is real, it was actually validated because Jesus healed this little girl who was blind. Do you see what was happening? See what was happening? Because the Spirit was there, because I went and I was working in the in ministry in the presence of the Spirit, the Spirit himself was validating Jesus, validating his person. Now watch this. Take your Bible now and turn to John chapter 16. And look at this. I love this. John chapter 16. And look at verses 13 through 15. Not only does he validate the person of Jesus, he validates the works of Jesus. Ready? This is so important. Look at this. This should be one of the most important passages you have in your scripture. Ready? Now watch. Jesus says to the disciples, I have many more things to say to you, verse 12, John 16, 12, but you cannot hear them now. Now watch. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, watch this, church, he will guide you into all the truth. He will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative. But whatever he hears, he will speak and will disclose it to you. Look at 14. He will glorify me. How? How's he going to glorify me? Watch this. Because he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. Now look at that, church. Say it again. Look at this. He will take of mine. He will take of mine. And will disclose it to you. Verse 15. All things the Father has are mine. Therefore I said, he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. Do you see it? Now how does it work? It works like that lady in the red dress. You see? It works like that lady in the red dress. The Lord Jesus had a will for that woman to be healed. What did the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit told us about what was going to happen. He also encouraged that woman to come. You see what I'm saying? The Spirit was working out the will of the King. See? The whole thing that happened was the work of the Lord Jesus. But it was validated by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? You see? Oh, this is so important. When you go, when you go to preach, when you go to minister, when you go to share, you go to the streets to work, it's, it's one thing, it, listen, it's one thing to go up and say, okay, we're going to stop and we're going to witness to every single person which God gives us to see. That's true. You can do that and that's good. We've done that. But you'll be far more powerful if you'll go and say, Lord, I'm going to go to the one that you lead me to. Who are you dealing with, Lord? 
See, who are you dealing with, Lord? Does that make sense? Let me give you an example. I was driving down the street in Oklahoma City one day, downtown, and uh, <laughs> this guy was standing on the curb. And I'm driving some meeting or something. And as we came to this stoplight, here's this guy, and the Lord said, clear as a bell, I felt it. I want you to witness to that guy. I'm thinking, I can't witness to this guy. Lord, what are you talking about? The, the light's going to turn green at any minute, and I'm going to, I can't, what do I do? You know, it's got to find a parking place downtown. What am I supposed to do? And he kept saying, witness to him. I'm telling you, witness to him. Witness to this guy. I said, okay. I, this first street was a one-way street, right? I couldn't turn. I said, I'm going to go down to the next corner and turn around the block. If he's still here, somehow I'll witness to him. So I turned, I went down one more block. Well, guess what? When I drove down one more block and stopped for the red light, he walks down one more block and stands right beside my car. I said, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. All right? So I get it. So I turned the corner, found a place to park, you know, and came walking back up to him. He was standing at a bus stop. I didn't realize. I probably would have made the deal. But he was standing at a bus stop, right? So I walk up to this guy on a bus stop. Now, watch what happens. I said to this guy, I said, my brother, let me ask you a question. I was very blunt. Very, I said, have you ever received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? He goes, no, but I've been wanting to. Is that not incredible? How easy was that? I mean, it's like picking fruit up off the ground, right? You see what I'm saying? I didn't have to go into some great debate with this guy. Come to find out, he had been listening to a preacher on the radio and really had gotten under conviction, but didn't know exactly how to give his life to the Lord. So we stood there on the bus stop, and I got to lead him to the Lord. You understand? You see? See the difference I'm saying? So it's one thing to say, I've got to do this great work. I've got to work for God. I've got to work for God. Instead of saying, look, I've got to follow what the Holy Spirit is telling me to do. And whatever the Spirit tells me to do, that's what I do. See, church, listen. It's not, please get this, it's not, what would Jesus do? It's, what does Jesus want me to do? You see what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? He has a will about my life. My life is not just simply to do what I think is his pattern. My life is to do what the Holy Spirit is leading me to do. See, then I'm going in the presence of the Lord. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Number two, quickly. I know I'm running out of time here. Right? I quit telling you all these stories, but anyway, this is good. Look at this. Ready? So the presence of the Holy Spirit validates Jesus. The presence of the Holy Spirit. Watch, church. The presence of the Holy Spirit releases the supernatural. In fact, turn in your Bible, you've got to see this, to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, you've got to see this. Matthew 12, look at verse number 18. Matthew 12, verse 18. I'm sorry to jump around on the scripture, but I've got to show you these things. Now watch. You ready? Now, in fact, look, look at verse number 13. Let's start with 13. Watch. He said, remember, the, 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 these uh, Sadducees, these Pharisees are giving him trouble about healing on the Sabbath. So remember what Jesus says? He says to them basically, you know, what's easier to say? Your son? Anyway, look at this. He says, verse 13, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and it restored to normal like the other. Isn't that good? Look at verse 15. Jesus saw that when he withdrew, many followed him and he healed them all. Right now, why were why were all these miracles constantly happening around the Lord? Well, you know, you find out in verse eighteen. Look at verse eighteen. Behold, my child. Here it is. Behold, my child, whom I have chosen, my beloved, 
Watch this. My beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. Look at the last phrase of verse 18. I will put my spirit upon him. I will put my spirit upon him. See, remember this, church. Please hear me now, guys. When you think of Jesus, of course he's God. He's as much God as the Father. He's as much God as the Spirit, yes. But in his incarnation, he restricts himself to a man. Right? So Jesus lives as a man who is filled with the Holy Spirit. See? A man filled with the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? In fact, turn to Acts chapter 10. You've got to see this. You know this verse probably. But I want you to see Acts chapter 10, verse number 38. Look at this. Acts 10, 38. probably know this by memory, but here it is. Acts 10, 38. Watch. Ready? 10, 38. You know of Jesus of Nazareth. How God, watch this next phrase, church, anointed him with the Spirit and with power. Anointed him with the Spirit and with power. And how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed, for God was with him. How was God with him? By the Holy Spirit. See? So remember, every miracle Jesus performs, he does by the power of the Spirit. Why? Because the presence of the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit releases the supernatural. Wow. I know last night, I can tell that some of you are sleepy because you stayed up till hours of the night. I heard about you. But anyway, watch this one. <laughs> See that, Gray? You, they keep you up all night and then ask me to come preach. But anyway, watch this. Right now, watch. Watch. Listen. If you... I probably shouldn't tell you because you guys are going to go do this. I can tell. But I'd love to see you come in sometime and spend some serious carpet time. You know? And don't worry about having to pray for everybody in the world. Just pray in the Spirit. And then you begin to, you begin to hear what the Spirit is saying. What is the Spirit telling you to do? Because he'll be revealing to you the will of Jesus. Right? See? Ask, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh. In fact, you know, church, I think every time we get together, we probably ought to ask the Lord to fill us with the Spirit again, just to tell you the truth. Right? Ask the Holy Spirit to come alive with his presence in your life. Ask him to do it. Learn to hear what the Spirit is saying. What do you say? What do you say? See? And then you do whatever the Spirit tells you to do, you do it. What, I don't care how crazy it is, you do whatever the Spirit tells you to do. You hear me? <laughs> There's so much I'd love to talk to you about. But anyway, listen. One day, my friend and I, who's my associate pastor, is my dearest friend in the world, he and I took a, the book I wrote on tongues. I've written this book on tongues. And, uh, by the way, I need to get everybody one of those books, don't we? We'll get those books for you. I took that book, and we handed it out to pastors all over the state of Oklahoma. We drove every Tuesday we'd go, and we'd just give it to all spirit-filled pastors all over the state. All right? Well, we, when we'd get up in the morning and we'd be driving together, we would, here's what we would do. We'd pray in the Spirit. And then we'd say, okay, let's do whatever the Lord says, which he would speak to us by the Holy Spirit, let's do it. No matter how crazy it is, let's do it. All right? Well, one day, church, we're driving down in southeast Oklahoma. Man, this is, this is a tough part of town, southeast Oklahoma, right? And we come to this Y in the road, and we stopped. 
I said, okay, Kathy, which way is the Lord telling us to go? And he said, left. I said, okay, here we go. So we take off left. We're driving down the road toward Atoka, all right, toward Atoka, Oklahoma. We're driving down the road, and all of a sudden there's this big building over here. And it's got a globe on top of it and an eagle on top of the globe. I told Kesley, that's one of us. We stopped, turned around, went back to the church, walked in the room, walked in the uh, secretary's office. And I said, ma'am, is your pastor here? She said, yes, he is, but he's in a staff meeting. He doesn't come out of staff meeting for anybody. I said, well, okay. I said, would you see if you could just, I'd just like to hand him this book. If he could just come down for a minute. She said, what's your name? I said, Richard Hogue. She said, if you, she gets, she calls and she says, Pastor, there's somebody down here who says he's Richard Hogue. That's what she said. <laughs> about this time, about this time, as soon as she said, I'm going to tell you, you hear this. <laughs> this guy comes running down the stairs. He comes into his office, into this, where his secretary is. He says, Pastor, come in my office, come in my office, come in my office. He looks at me and he goes, why are you here? <laughs> That's what he said. Why are you here? Just like, why are you here? I said, well, I was just driving down the road and I saw your building. I thought I'd come give you this book. That's what it was. And nothing else. He said, you won't believe this. He said, I was, as my secretary called me, I was telling them that last week I was in a meeting in Hawaii and Kim Clement said that you know more about the kingdom of God than anybody in the nation and we should get a hold of you. Now that's the truth of God. And he said, so I was telling them, yeah, I'm going to call him. I'm going to see if we can get him to come. I, I, want, I want to talk to him. Pastor, there's a guy down here saying that he's Richard Hogue. Can you believe that? See what I'm saying? One time we drove up in front of a building, in front of a church, and there was no one there. It was about 5.30 or so. No one was there. And as we drove up, this other, this another car comes up, and there's a lady seated in the car. I'm over in the driver's side. Pastor Cassie was driving at that time. And I said, well, I'll just give her the book. He said, well, ask Brenda to give the book to the pastor at choir practice. I said, do you, do you know this woman? He goes, no, no. But the Lord just told me her name is Brenda, and she's here for choir practice, and the pastor comes ask her to give him the book of the choir practice. I said, you're, 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 you really want me to do this? He said, yes. So I rolled down the window. I said, um, hey, Brenda. She goes, yes. I go, hey. I said, are you coming for choir practice? Well, yes, I am. I said, will the pastor be at choir practice? Oh, yes, he'll be at choir practice. I said, listen, would you give him this book at choir practice for us? She said, I'll be happy to do it. We rolled up that window. Both of us started laughing. I, can you, you know, you see what I'm saying? I mean, it's just fun. You've got to admit, it's just fun. You see, you're following the Lord. You're doing whatever he says. There's no telling what is going to happen. You're just going with it. Is that not good or what? I'll tell you one more. One more. We're, we're in Pryor, Oklahoma. Prior Global. It's late. It's, I mean, I'm tired. Good night. I'm tired. We've been doing this all day long since about 8 o'clock. But we made a deal with the Lord that if we see a church that looks like a spirit-filled church, we're going to stop and give them the book. All right? 
So I'm driving. We're leaving town. Man, I am headed home. You understand what I'm saying? And about this time, Cassie says, oh, I think I saw a church. I said, oh, Cassie, don't say that. You know, it probably was a Baptist church. So let's just go on home, right? Man, I'm tired, tired, tired. Let's go home. He said, no, Pastor, I think it was a spirit-filled church. I could tell. I said, oh, my God. So I turn around, we go back, go into the parking lot, da-da-da. I said, buddy, here's the book. You go give him the book. I said, I'm not even going in. Because I didn't think, I was dark. I didn't think anybody would be there anyway. I said, well, just go give him the book. He goes in, opens the door, and sure enough, he disappears. In a few minutes, he comes to the door. He goes, Pastor, come here. Come here. Come here. you got to come here. I go, what? I said, they, they want to see you. Come on. Come on. Come here. Come here. So I park the car. I'm going in. We walk in the pastor's office. The pastor's seated at his desk, and behind him is the biggest. He's a big man. You understand what I'm saying? A big, big, big man. Sort of like a goon standing there, you know? I'm thinking, this must be his bodyguard or something. I don't know what this is all about, right? And I walk in, and he goes, as we're talking to him a second, they both start crying. I'm thinking, what on earth? I said, you know, because we'd come and we'd say, listen, God told us to come give you this book. And, and he's promising us that revival is going to come to Oklahoma. And we're just, man, we are praying, believing, we want brothers to pray with us and believe that revival is going to come. And da, 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 da. That's what we're saying. As we're saying that, they begin to cry. Even the goon is crying. <laughs> so, man, when I finished my little spiel, the pastor looks up and he goes, you won't believe this. I said, why? He said, you just won't believe this. He said, 10 minutes ago, I was on the phone with a prophet in Michigan, who's a friend of mine, and he was prophesying to us, and he said, God is going to send revival to Oklahoma, and this church will be a part of it. And he said, to prove it to you, someone is going to bring the same word to you in 10 minutes in this building. Can you believe that? Now, guys, I could tell you all sorts of other stories about that. All I'm saying to you is this. Look. In fact, I've got to tell you a couple of others, all right, because it's so good. So good. One night, one night we're at this little church in, in Clinton, Oklahoma, and we've done a lot of work in Oklahoma because we're believing God's going to send revival to Oklahoma, which it needs it. Believe me, Oklahoma needs revival. Anyway, but we were in this church, and we were there really to, to just to preach and have fun, but I'm telling you, the Lord began to deal with us about healing. And while we were on our way over there, the Lord said, listen, you think you're going to preach, but really, you're not going to preach. You're going to get up, and you're going to start talking, and all of a sudden, healing is going to begin to break out. I said, well, man, that's fine with me. I just, I just want to be around and see what you do. Amen? All right? <laughs> Guys, you would not believe the miracles we saw that night. I mean, instant miracles. Instant miracles. Instant miracles. You see? This one guy, this one guy, big old guy, he's standing there, and he has his foot wrapped up. And I, and I said, well, brother, what what'd you do to your foot? He said, well, he said, I'm a, I'm a bullfighter. I said, you're a bullfighter? He said, yeah, I'm a bullfighter. I said, you mean a cape? He said, no, no, no. He said, I, I, I'm a rodeo clown, rodeo clown. You know, they get in between the rider and the bull, you know. And he said, the other night... A bull, a Brahma bull, came down and stomped on my foot and separated my toes from my, from my foot and broke a couple of the toes, too. So his foot's all wrapped up. I said, well, man, that's, that's, that's terrible. I said, well, let's pray, right? So we just laid our hands on him and prayed. As we're praying, he goes, 
that's it. That's it. I said, what? I'm healed. I said, how do you know? I know. I know I'm healed. He said, he, he begins to undo. I didn't tell him to do this. He begins to undo his deal and begins to run all over the church. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. Isn't that incredible? Isn't it incredible? We, another lady was there that night. Her mouth was filled with blisters. I was like she had, you know, canker sores all over her mouth. Oh, it was horrible looking. And church, we, we prayed for this lady and I'm telling you, Im- I'm telling you, God is my witness. As we prayed, the can't the whatever they are all disappeared, and she was healed. Isn't it incredible? Isn't it incredible? That's the type of thing we've been seeing. Lady was deaf one ear, boom, healed. I've been deaf since she was three years old. I'm telling you, we we've just seen remarkable things happen. But I close with this one. We had a. Uh, Pastor Cassie, you got to meet my Pastor Cassie sometime. It's just unbelievable. He had a dream one night and came to staff meeting the next morning and said, listen, I had this dream. And he said, in this dream, we were in a room. And he said, this man was laying on this bed on the floor. And there were all sorts of tubes coming out of him. And there, was, there were flies in the room. Unbelievable number of flies in the room. He said, Pastor, you and I went in this room. Oh, my gosh. Why would we do that? Right? You see? But as we began to think about it, we saw, look, someone's dead. Someone's dead. So as we're in staff meeting that morning, we get a call. One of our pastors got a call from the hospital right down the street. And a family was there, and their baby was dead. And they were waiting for the young man to make the decision to unplug the child. You understand what I'm saying? And they wanted us to come, wanted to know if we'd come and pray with the family. So I said, sure. So we stopped staff meeting, jumped in the car. Three of us went down there. We walked in this room, this visitation room, and there was a cot on the floor, and there was a man on the cot, lying on the cot. And I turned to Cassie and I said, buddy, this is the room you saw in your dream. He said, it is. He said, it has the, same, has the same wallpaper. I said, isn't that amazing? I said, well, who? I mean, it doesn't make sense because there's no tubes coming out of this guy. So this guy gets up. He's the father of the baby. So he comes over to me, real teary. He says, Pastor, our boy, two-year-old son, is dead. And they're wanting to know if we want to when we want to unplug him. And he said, would you pray for us? Boy, I tell you guys, something came, I mean, the Holy Spirit just moved in my heart, and I said to this young man, well, he's a member of our church. I said, my son, I said, listen, your baby doesn't have to die. Now, you've got to be careful when you say that, that you know the Holy Spirit's telling you to say it, right? But I said, your baby doesn't have to die. He goes, what do you mean? I said, if you will fight, your baby will live. It's not the will of God for your baby to die. Satan's trying to rob your baby, trying to steal your baby. And if you'll stand and you'll fight, you'll win. He said, I don't know how to fight. I said, we'll stand with you. We know how to fight. We'll stand with you. About this time, two men stood. came, His father and the baby's other grandfather. So I had the father and the two grandfathers. I said, if the three of you will join with us, we'll pray. 
As boy, we prayed. We bound death. We bound the work of Satan in this situation. We absolutely came against that thing in the holy name of the Lord. Right? So we finished. He looks at me and goes, Would you come back and pray over the, would you go with me and pray over my baby in the ICU room? I said, Sure, we'll go. So Cassie and I went with this father and his two grandfathers. We went back to the saloon. Sure enough, man, this baby, beautiful little boy, lying there on his back, tubes coming out of everywhere. Those tubes Cassie had seen in that dream. Tubes coming out of everywhere. He said, would you lay your hands on him and pray for him? I said, no. But I want you to lay your hands on him and you pray for him. I said, if I were your pastor, I'd do that. But I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what to pray. But you pray it. He said, okay. So he laid his little fatherly hands on him. We began to pray. Spirit of death. The baby was already on a little breathing machine, you know. So they hadn't unplugged. Father, in the name of Jesus, Satan, we bind you. We bind the spirit of death off of you. We forbid your activity. Bada, bada, bada. As we're praying, the other pastor was with us. He said, Pastor, look at that monitor. In church, that little monitor was going, beep, 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 beep. Can you believe that? See? In three days, they took that baby home. In three days, they took that baby home. Is that not incredible? Now, why did that happen? Because the Holy Spirit was around. The presence of the Spirit releases the supernatural. Not just in my life. In your life. See? In your life. You have the same Holy Spirit in your life that Jesus had in his life. Isn't that wonderful? And so the same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus' life is in your life, 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 in your life. Which means, just as there was nothing impossible to the Lord, not in his deity, but as in humanity, if he simply was following the Spirit, the same thing is true with you. You hear me? Because what the Spirit is going to do always, He is going to let you know the will of King Jesus. And then He's going to enable you to do it. Flow through you to do it. Amen? All right.